The book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Many know this chapter. Many have read this chapter of all of Hebrews. This is one of the chapters you kind of go to in the Hebrews. A lot of people avoid the rest of Hebrews, but this one they really get encouraged by, and I hope you're encouraged by it as well. Yes, that is not a typo. We are only going to take the first three verses uh, of, of this because it is packed full of just this first three verses. And if you can get the first three verses settled in your understanding and, and, and in your heart, then the rest of the chapter 11, as we see the witnesses that God hand-selected to be in his word, will encourage you in the days or the weeks to come. I don't know if I'll do them all next Sunday, Lord willing, or next two Sundays, but we're going to talk about this hall of faith or men and women that God is using as an example or a testimony, a witness, same word in the Greek, of what he has done in and through their lives and what he's doing in and through your life. So as we take a look here, we really need to start back in verse 38 of chapter 10 because this is one continuous letter, one continuous epistle. It's not broken up in chapters originally, remember. So we want to look at verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 38 and 39, follow along. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition or waste, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. So in chapter 11, as we go into chapter 11, brings us to the final section of this letter, of this epistle, and it is all about faith going in the reigning of this, of this book. And we have a clear understanding of our Lord is in heaven. We've taught that, we've talked about that, we've studied this. That takes us all the way from chapters 1 through chapter 10. The focus has been focused upon doctrine, laying out a solid foundation for you and I and for the believers there and Hebrew believers and what Christ has done for them in their lives. That's what all the first 10 chapters are all about. We have seen that we have a great Savior. We have seen who is a perfect high priest providing for us a perfect access for his perfect forgiveness and by his blood atonement into the throne of God. We've learned that. We understand that. That is now solidified in our minds of how much he loves us. That is doctrinal truth. This should encourage you and I then now to put our trust by faith in him and him alone for our salvation and for the sanctification. But oh, I don't stop at sanctification. I'm looking to glorification. And I hope you are too, because that is the state we cannot wait to be in. And it should be on our minds every day. Now the leaders of this apostle were being tempted to go back into Judaism and put their faith into Moses. They were being pulled and taunted, maybe by their friends and family and neighbors and co-workers and things, and said, you're losing your job if you don't come back to Judaism. If you keep following this Christianity thing, you're done. You're not invited to the party. You're not invited to the holidays. You're not invited to this or that. You're, we're not even acknowledging you. You have been cast out. Because you've put your faith in Jesus Christ. 
Well, if that's speaking of you today, then welcome to a good family of others. Because everybody has received the pushback of darkness in our one's life because we now know the truth of who Jesus Christ is as our Lord and Savior. He's no longer just about a Christmas season gift of some baby in a manger. Just get past the manger and get me to the gifts. Give me the tinsel. Give me to the good food. It's once a year that I have to put up with the, the, my, my family showing up. Some of you are CEOs. You come to church on Christmas, Easter, and other special occasions. We welcome you. If this is the first and only time you've ever been to church, we welcome you. Today's the day the Lord has made for you to hear the truth about what faith is all about. A faith in a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. Now when we look at this, they put the readers here of this epistle, put their hope and our confidence was in, the, is, was in visible things many times. They just saw what they were losing starting this relationship with Jesus and they were losing practical things in their lives, relationships in their lives. Things were not like they used to be and they were always seemed to be better because they forget all the terrible darkness that they lived in. But their hope was in confidence was in visible things of this world and not on the invisible realities of the truths of God. Instead of moving forward on to spiritual maturity... They were going back to perdition, or the word there in the Greek was to back into a wasteful waste of life. They were wasting their life living for themselves and the cares of this world and, the, and always worrying about and trying to please everybody else versus pleasing our Heavenly Father. We saw that in Hebrews 6, chapter 6, verse 1, and chapters 10, verse 39. Now, the writer here established the very doctrinal foundation for you and I if regarding Jesus being superiority over any of the law, over any of the traditions, over any other ways. He was superior to any Moses, to Aaron, to all of the great names of, of ever born. Jesus is superior. There is no one else. And now the writer in Hebrews shifts to the application of that truth, that doctrinal truth, and we will see that played out now the remaining of the chapters of this epistle. Now the life of a true biblical faith is superior life under is a superior life under the law because genuine faith produces what the law could never produce. The behavior that God requires of his people the law will never produce that, but the superiority of understanding of the true biblical faith in him does produce a different behavior in a person. One that is pleasing to God, not pleasing to themselves, let alone to others, but pleasing to God. That was their number one priority now. It should be our number one priority. The principle of faith has a long history here. This is not new. This is going all the way back before the law even ever existed. The living by faith and not by the law. So as the author summed, 
sum things up here, he would later call these people that we'll talk about in chapter 11, there in chapter 12, verse 1, as a cloud of witnesses to testify, to witness the power of genuine faith in a person's life. Questions always asked. Do we know if they're saved or not saved? What happens if they were thought they were saved and then they didn't ever walk for God and then they're coming back? And all these, these things always come up in conversation, which are great conversations. Always the question is, did they really have a genuine faith? I don't know this, these things. I don't know. All you can do is look in your own life and say, do I have a genuine faith for Jesus Christ? Is he really my Savior? But also the main, most important question, my brothers and sisters, is not as if he's your Savior. The question is, is he your Lord? The Master. The one that controls your life. That's the question I always want to get to. Are you with me? Hello? Got silent there for a minute. It's going to get better. Wait, wait, wait. Keep going here. <laughs> I might get really quiet in here. But... But we have to sit here and understand here, as we've been studying all the way through the 10 chapters, we, we talked about the saving faith. We talked about the false faith that people have, even though they were hanging around and they looked like a Christian, they kind of smelled like a Christian, they kind of got it the lingo down, but they didn't have a, a saving faith. They had a false faith. And today, as we continue, we're going to see the genuine faith and the definition of that genuine faith of a believer. We will see in chapter 11 examples of people who live by faith, by the principle of trusting God with their lives. That's as simple as I could put it for you. What is faith? People who genuinely believe who God is and trust Him with their life completely. Is that speaking of you? It should be speaking of you. Because as a believer, that is what faith is. You've completely put your trust in God with your life. Not a government, not some social program, not even yourself. You've tried that one. And you realize the more you think about yourself, the more miserable you've become. But here in Hebrews 11 is this hall of faith because of the encouraging examples of faithful people, we can look to for inspiration to continue this walk with Jesus. But note this very clearly, and when we get to studying these people, that we will see no negative, anything negative about these people in chapter 11. Have you ever read through it yet? There is absolutely neg nothing negative. You think these guys and gals are perfect as Christians. And their faith is perfect for Jesus. But you've got to go back into the scripture and read their actual accounts of their life. And you realize they messed up just like you and I do. But God is only bringing what is important to God that please God. And that's what we have the summation of the hall of faith of these believers that God used. And that should encourage you and I. If we have a quasi walk with Christ, just recognize welcome. <laughs> You're not perfect. And now God says, just get back up and focus on me. We want to finish well. That's what we want to do. The past is the past. It's the finish is the most important. 
so that we can hear, well done, good, faithful servant. Enter in the joy of the Lord. Oh, can't wait for that. I'll take the hug. Absolutely. And he can whisper or yell it into my ear when I hold on to Jesus when he says, well done. Good and faithful. All Christians are, to, are called to live by faith. To have a walk of faith. And I know it's tempting to go back. I know it's tempting to go back to that which you can see with your own eyes. To smell with your nose. To touch with your hands. But the writer here to the Hebrew believers it says, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't be tempted by the enemy. Don't be tempted by your flesh. Don't be tempted by the ones you say they love you and they're just trying to encourage you to get a life back because you need a job or this and this and that. Don't do it. That's what the writer's saying to the Hebrews. Don't turn around and go back to the old life. That is not good. And so the author pleads to his, his readers to not to go back. For now you are called to something entirely different. As a Christian, you're completely called to something different in your life. And there should be a change when you give your life to Christ. There's a regeneration, a born-again experience that happens and a changed life takes place. And from that point, you are called to walk by faith and not by sight. Now here in Hebrews 11.1, 1, we start off by seeing a definition of faith. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. When we take a look at this, the writer says it very simplistically, right? It's one sentence of the definition of faith. And that faith is absolutely critical for our lives. Because we are to walk by this faith. What is it? Most people don't understand faith. So let's take some time, most of the majority of our time today, walking through just these couple of two verses. But this main verse here, this main uh, verse here in chapter, verse 1 of chapter 11. True biblical faith is a steadfast obedience to God's word, regardless of your circumstances and consequences. I'm going to repeat that for you students taking notes. True biblical faith is steadfast obedience to God's word regardless of circumstances and consequences. I told you I was going to get real quiet. This faith operates quite simply it's not complex. God speaks and we hear his word and we're obedient. How do you live a Christian life? Hear God's words. He's going to speak to you. He's going to speak to you how? Through his word. And when you hear and you learn and you're growing and he's speaking to you, all you need to do is have a willingness to hear his word. That's why you're here today. <laughs> you're, you're here because we're not here to entertain you. I assure you I'm not here to entertain you. You're, I've already tried doing one, one or two jokes. That doesn't go well for me. 
We don't do here for experience. We want to hear the word of God. Speak directly to our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can then choose him and by faith we grab a hold of this truth and apply it to our lives. That is genuine faith. It's that simple. Didn't say it was always easy. (laughs) Didn't say it was easy. It's that simple. That's why it's important you keep showing up regardless of how you feel. Because when you don't want to change, you won't show up. Did you know that? That is the number one reason why people don't show. That they don't open up the word and read the word of God through the week. Because they don't want to hear from God tell them how that changes need to be modified, change and move and correction and, and go the direction that pleases him. You will refuse to listen to the word of God. Let alone read the word of God. Romans 10, 17 says it so clearly, does it not? So then, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I know this doesn't apply to you because you're here today. You want to hear the word of God taught. You want to learn. You want to grow. You want to be equipped. You want to be encouraged. Yes, you even want to be convicted and and changed because you don't want to be the same person you've been living this last week, last month, last year. Maybe this is the first time you've ever heard the word of God taught. And that is a beautiful thing because today's the day of your salvation. Today you'll truly surrender by faith your life over to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. See, we, we trust his word and act on it no matter what the circumstances are and what the consequences may be from doing it. Yes, the circumstances may appear to be impossible. This is impossible. There's no way this is going to work out. How do you mean just trust God and how this is all going to i got to figure out how to... you got to trust God. The consequences are overwhelming. The details are just so unknown, you want to know what's going to happen next. But we obey God's word just the same and believe him to do what is right and what is good and what is best for your life. Because you know what the word of God says about your circumstance. You know the word of God, so you know not only the circumstance, but also the consequences. But that does not change our direction to do it anyway. You put your trust in him to work it all out. He's a good, good father. He loves you. That doesn't change. You know he, that doesn't change, that he loves you. And you must stay focused on that on a daily walk. You have to understand that from the unsaved world, those who don't put, they haven't put their trust in Jesus Christ, that worldview, that unsaved worldview, they do not understand true biblical faith. Possibly because they haven't seen it demonstrated in your life. 
Maybe it's because you haven't seen it demonstrated in the church's life. So many times we have this, how do, you, how do you communicate to someone who doesn't know Jesus, hasn't surrendered their life, and you say, oh, you just need to have faith. You're talking to a non-believer. They don't have faith. They don't have true biblical faith. They have no idea what, the, what that means to you. So to, for them to say, those are not encouraging words to them. The only encouraging word you can give to someone who is in a traumatic experience or a circumstance and their loss of life or loss of health or loss of this or whatever's bringing them to this almost breakage point of their life is you need to give them the best news ever to their life and that is give your life to Jesus Christ and then trust him to take care of the situation he's in. There is no other answer to give. That truly will help them. No pill is going to do it. No program is going to do it. But Jesus can. And so when you want to have that sense of that solid doctrinal truth that you've been learning for 10 chapters now. You now know how you can live by faith, and we'll see examples played on in that in in the Old Testament here in the rest of chapter 11 that will apply to your life so that you too can be a life that's filled with this faith in Jesus, this faith in God that people cannot really put their finger on it that's going on in your life. See, the world fails to understand and realize that faith is only as good as its object that they put it in. Did you understand what I mean by that? You're, the world is always based on, I'll put my faith in something if I have this sense of, I trust the object that I put my that trust in. And it happens all the time. Faith is happening all the time in your life. If you fly, that's a perfect example. You put your faith in a piece of equipment and people who touch that piece of equipment and the person and persons who are flying that piece of equipment up in the middle of nowhere in the air for a period of distance and by faith you're getting on that plane because you trust the plane will take off okay, fly okay, and land okay. So don't tell me you don't have any faith. But you can get really nervous on a plane, can't you? Because you know there's a possibility that plane may not come back down right. But as believers, we don't put our faith in just any object. Our faith, our objects, is our faith is in God, in God alone. When I get on a plane, I don't even think about the people fix the plane or the plane itself or anything. I pray for the pilots to give them wisdom and strength and alertness and things. I pray for the people who are going to operate that thing when I'm getting on it. But my trust is in God. Because if that plane doesn't come down well, I'm going up well. I'm going to be right in the hands of Jesus. And all my problems are solved. So I don't fear those things. Why? Because I put my faith in the object of who God is and what he is to me. Now we're going to see three things 
that builds this true biblical faith right here in this verse 1 and verse 2. Verse 1, we're going to see the first two, and that is substance and evidence. Now faith is the substance. This word here means to stand under, to support. It's, it's a substance. Our faith is based on a substance, reali- a realities, things, this solid foundational truth. Because our faith is not based on quicksand about what's the changing things of this world. The object, we don't focus on what's going on in the world, what they're going on in the economy. We don't focus our life based on our health and all these other things because all of that is changing every day, it seems like. But faith to, is to a Christian what a foundation is to a house. It gives confidence and assurance that we will stand. But I always ask the people, what are you basing your foundation of your house, of your life on? Is it on the rock, the solid rock that we stand on, our relationship with Jesus? Or is it on quicksand, the things of this world and the cares of this world and your own personal abilities? Your own intellect. Who you know. I've got the job, that union job. That's what's going to bring me through the rest of my life. I, we, we've all done it, have we not? And the next year you lose it. Faith is the confidence of things hoped for. The Bible does not recommend a blind leap of faith. But the reasons can't be measured by a laboratory. It cannot do anything other than understand it from a spiritual perspective. Just as your physical eyesight is the sense that gives us evidence of the material world around us. We can see things around us. Faith is the sense that gives us evidence of the invisible things, the spiritual world around us. We see more than the non-believer sees. True biblical faith is confidence that leads to obedience to God. That's the substance we based our life on. The second thing we see here in this verse is evidence. The evidence of things hoped for and of things not seen. The The word here of evidence simply means conviction. In the Greek. It's a conviction of the things not seen. It's an inward conviction from God that He can, He has this promise for us. This the Word of God showed us a promise that is for us that He is going to perform. He will be doing. Sometimes it could be a prophecy of what God says, I'm going to do the following, and it's going to happen regardless of what you think in the world thinks. And all the experts and scientists and all the the talking heads. But you know what the word of God says and you say, I have evidence the word of God has proven he's faithful. He's going to do that. I don't know how the rapture is going to happen. I just know what the scripture tells me. In a twinkling of eye, boom. How is that all going to happen? I don't know because he didn't give us the details. When is that going to happen? No one knows. But it will be in perfect timing according to God. See, 
The presence of God-given faith in one's heart is conviction enough that we will keep his word. I'm convicted of truths. This is a truth. I'm convicted of that. That is truth. Though I may not have seen them, I'm convinced of their existence anyway. There is an evidence for the existence of God. And it caused me to believe in God. Though I have never seen God, the evidence of his existence creates that faith in my heart to believe there is God. That's true biblical faith. Is based on what God says and is demonstrated in what we do. That can tell us if we have faith. Oh, I have faith, brother. Okay. Just watch his life. If I don't see a, a man walking by faith, does he have a true biblical faith? Doesn't demonstrate it. It's not, it's not, it's not showing in any aspect of his life to show that he has true biblical faith. He still lives by sight. He still lives and trusts his own abilities or some system. But faith is needed in for what we can't see and can't touch. You need faith to be able to deal with those things. Faith does not contradict reason, though it may go beyond reason. So faith is the substance, the evidence. Faith is not a bare belief or some intellectual understanding. It's not what I'm saying. It is a willingness to trust, to rely on, and to cling to. That is what we're talking about. Faith is the substance of what you know is coming your way, even though it is not yet there or seen. We all know we're going to die. It's a pretty good statistic. Unless the rapture takes place. Faith isn't wishful thinking. It is based on the word of God. Our faith is based on the word of God. Faith says whether I see it presently understand it intellectually, or experience it immediately, I know what God says he will do, he will do. Let me give you an example. Do you believe in wind? I believe in wind. We had some really heavy winds the other day. I believe there's wind. Even though we haven't seen wind. You didn't see the wind. We saw the effects of the wind. We saw some trees coming down around us, and maybe you experienced that. (laughs) 
We saw that blowing force move you. If you were outside, you felt the wind move your car or move you across that parking lot. We see the leaves that were blown everywhere. We see the dust that can just bring, bring up in front of you and just go all over the place. The rustling of the leaves. We see the evidence of this thing we call wind. You, can't, you can feel it. We can say that, ooh, that's a cold, bitter winter wind that came through. And then in certain seasons, you can go, ooh, that warm feeling. Do you feel that warm wind coming up? Ooh, it must be coming up from the south. Ooh, this is really nice. You can feel that wind. You see the evidence that there's this thing called wind, even though you can't see it. So because you see the evidence of the wind, we believe in the wind. Though we don't actually see the wind itself. You have faith there's a thing called wind. Are you with me? See, I see evidence of a, there's a God. We sing and worship God by saying, oh, you created the stars and the heavens and your sky is like a painting to me. Do you know when you were singing those words, you were singing a faith that you have, that there's a God that you believe and you believe understanding because of the existence or the examples or things you have seen that he's created. Even though you haven't seen God himself. You know because of the things around you. Like the nature and the situations. Like the wind. You know there's a creator of that. If you know anything about the human body. You know there's a creator. You don't believe in God is because you're blinded, the scripture says, and you choose, to, you choose darkness and you do not want to believe that he's the creator of every human. You have to literally suppress and absolutely choose darkness of not to believe. The greatest of scientists and physicists any one of those people will tell you that God, some higher, someone created this. They may not be willing to say God. It's very easy for us to say it. Because the word of God said in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you can believe Genesis 1.1, you'll believe the rest of the scripture. See, I believe in the existence of God, though I've never seen God. But I do not doubt his existence because of the evidence that is all around. Faith, the, the substantiating of the things that are hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Verse 2, 
He can, the writer continues by saying, for by it, so for by this faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. See, the great examples we're going to read about in the rest of chapter 11, I really encourage you to read ahead, is that these great examples of godliness all had different circumstances in their lives. They all had different personalities. But they all had one thing in common. And why they are used by God as examples for you and I today is because they had a true biblical faith in their life. Even though they were not perfect. And they brought about an obtaining a good testimony. These Jewish Christians were so discouraged in their walk at this point in time, the writer says you need to have good, faithful examples of God, people who live for God so I can encourage you to continue to walk with Jesus and not go back to religiosity. To not go back to traditions. Not to go back to the, 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 the sacrifices and the laws. That, let me give you some good examples in so that you as readers will be able to encourage to walk by faith and not by sight. So that's why the writer, God, the Holy Spirit gave the writer to write these examples down that we'll be studying. These are good examples of people who walked by faith. And received and obtained a good testimony or good what we, the word is the third. We see the, the substance, we see the evidence, now we see the witness. Testimony in the Greek is also is a word used as witness. So it's a good witness here, a good report here. We see that this witness, this testimony is an important word because we see it here in verse 2. We see it again twice in verse 4, once in verse 5, and once in verse 39. The writer wanted to come across to understand that you become a witness for God in what he's doing in and through your life because you truly have a true biblical faith. Again, it's clearly stated in chapter 12, verse 1, when they, he, this, the writer writes this list of men and women as, as, as known as so great a cloud of witnesses. Oh, my prayer, my brothers and sisters, is that we live by faith, a true biblical faith. So when we go out into the community, wherever God has you, that people will see a cloud of witnesses spreading across our community. That people will see a life truly living like they say they have in this faith in God that they talk about. Are you with me? I'm not saying you need to stand in the corner and preach to everyone going by. But as you live your life, as you're going about your life, wherever the God is taking you through the day, may you be a witness of a faith that you've completely put your trust in Jesus and him alone for your salvation. That you have put complete faith in the God of the world, the creating of the universe. That your trust is in him and nobody else for your life. That's what it means here to have this cloud of witnesses. We're to be encouraged to go out and be that cloud of witness, to be that light, the salt that we see in the scripture. 
And it's this witness of his divine truth and approval in our lives. Why do you do that, Pastor Corey? Because the Bible tells me so. Why do you do that, Mary? Because the Bible, God tells me so. Why are you changing directions? Why are you going where you're going? Because God has shown me in his word that I am now to move in that direction. And you have great confidence because you know you have been in the word and God speaks to you by and through the word of God in the power of the Holy Spirit. And you have this, this evidence that God has given you through the word of God to do what he's called you to do. Regardless of how you feel. Regardless of your circumstances, regardless of the consequences, you just know that God is a good God and he's going to take you in the direction he's telling you to go. How can you make a major move like that? How, how is that all going to work out? I remember the day when God was showing Kathleen and I, we're coming out here to start a new work. He didn't tell me when. He didn't tell us how. and We just know we're going to a place called Watertown, New York from California. None of the details were given to us because we probably couldn't handle all the details if he gave it to us. So by his grace, he just says, this is where you're going to go. And then we just, each day, we just knew God was going to orchestrate our lives and our circumstances and situations. And eventually, in his timing, in his way, we would go where he says to go. And he would work out the details. And we can have a great time going about it. Because he is in control. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So the writer here sits there and says, this happens when God simply commanded what? Remember in Genesis 1-3, let there be light. God spoke and it happened. Do you know how that happened? No, we don't know how that happened other than what? God spoke. And we know in the scripture that he took and spoke that from nothing. What's nothing? Nothing. He created all. What is all? All. Do I know any of the details? I don't need to know those details unless God wants to reveal those to me. Through the scripture. So we see here that this psalmist even says it in Psalm 33, 6 and 33, 9. He says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Oh, that's power. Isn't there power in his word? I am solid in how God created the world. I am absolutely solid how I was created. I am so solid of the things that are going on. I don't fear any of these things and question any of it. I know the very simplistic thing. God created me. God created this world and the universe. 
if you believe God spoke the worlds into existence, then you are in unity with those who obtain a good report or good testimony. See, by faith we understand. I love that right there in verse 3. By faith we understand. We did not see the act of creation. We only know it by faith. We also know this by reason because we know the worlds were created and created by an intelligent designer. Again, this is faith beyond going beyond your own understanding. But it does not contradict reasoning. Even in times when I, it seems God expects a, uh, a faith that contradicts reason. Like, are you really? This, this really contradicts any kind of rational reasoning here. Are you sure, God, you want me to? Are you, we should do this? Are you, I, that doesn't, I, I'm going down my checklist and weighing the pros and cons and, and using logic. And Are you sure this? We get in those craziness things. Versus just simply saying God said to do. But we'll go into this rational reasoning because it doesn't make sense to you how God would want you to do that. But the closer you examine what he's calling you to do, it never conflicts with reason. It's just that you don't have the full understanding of what he's doing. And that drives some of us crazy. Especially those type A's. I know there's no type A's here. Mm, yeah, I'm one of them. I can smell you. <laughs> I can always find a I can always find a type A because I I'm a type A. You know. I love you. You know, it's interesting. As an example, it, it may seem contrary to reason for God to expect Abraham to believe God's word when He said that His wife Sarah was going to have a baby, even though physically she was past childbearing time. And it sits there and you go, that doesn't, God, can you say it one more time to me? Because when you told me my Sarah, my Sarah is going to have a baby, even though she's too old and, and her body is shut down and can't have babies, and you're saying to me, she's going to have a child with me. Right? Can you see him? It's past his reasoning. I don't, it doesn't make sense to me, but God, you said out of your own mouth, your word said she's going to have a child. That somehow Sarah's dead womb was going to come back alive and bear forth a child. But it's not unreasonable to believe that God who created life and the womb could do this. See, that's where we stop. We sit there and go, that doesn't make sense. It's impossible because you're listening to your own reasoning. But if you know the word of God and say, wait, 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 wait. If God said that she was going to have a child, his word says to me that he created her, created the womb, and created the heavens and the earth. Am I crazy? This is God Almighty. He can do whatever he wants to do. And he did it. But God. See, if I can encourage you today, and you find yourself at hitting that Red Sea moment, 
or you're hitting that wall that you seem like you're not going to be able to get over in the circumstance and the situation, consequences, these things, and you think there's no way and there's no hope, but please take it to the next step if you are a believer in Jesus Christ and say, but God. That means, my brothers and sisters, if you don't know how to get into the word of God and seek after what God's truth is on that subject, then come see me, come see one of the other leaders, and we will help you in the word of God to show you what God says about those things, to encourage you that God is almighty. That's who we worship, God almighty. The creator of the heavens and the earth. And you don't think he can take care of that little situation, circumstance you find yourself in? You, you don't think you know how, that God can take you from point A to point B and have it work out exactly according to his will? Are you kidding me? The difference between that process is your willingness to surrender your will for his will. That is our biggest struggle. Did you want me to say it one more time for you? Because it got real quiet again. The challenge for you and I to allow but God to happen in your life is according to your willingness to surrender your will for his will. That is your struggle. But as you continue to show up and you mature in your walk with God, that gets better and easier and easier to surrender your will for his will for your life. How important that is. So as we take a look at this example, by faith we understand. The text does not say that God created the world with or by faith. Since God sees and knows all things, faith in a human sense does not apply to him. He knows all things. One of the challenges with the false teaching of prosperity doctrine is those who think you can have faith by faith. Or the world, you could change things with faith for faith. I'm going to faith, I'm going to have this trust in my faith to have that faith of God faith to do what I want him to do. The only faith I want you to have is in him and him alone. That's the only faith. And since we understand faith as the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We know what God sees everything and does not hope for anything. Why? Because he knows. Most of the scientists at the time of the book of Hebrews was written, believed that the universe was created out of the existing matter and not out of nothing. Even Christians today cannot get their head around because they don't have true biblical faith. They can't get around their head that God created everything out of nothing. And what's nothing? Nothing. 
They believe that the world was made out of the things which are visible, the writer says here. But the Bible corrects this misunderstanding very clearly for you and I. He says right there, he says clearly says the word, world was not made of things which are visible. The writer was 2,000 years ahead of his time, was he not? Because we know that knowing the things that existed materially, that he didn't understand atoms. He didn't understand protons and electrons. None of that was what? Visible when this was written. But we now, because God has given the wisdom to man and women to see atoms, protons, and electrons. The writer of Hebrews makes it very clear that faith is a very practical thing, regardless of what unbelievers say. Faith enables us to see what others cannot see. Faith allows us to see things that others cannot see. We'll see that in verse 7. We'll see that in verse 13 and 27 well, is noted here by examples of men and women living by faith that God revealed to them things that the non-believing world could not see. And as a result, faith enables us to do what others cannot do. If you're living by faith, people are going to, especially non-believers, are going to look at your life and say, how did that happen? How could that happen? Because in their logical thoughts, that's not possible that you were able to go from point A to point B. Because they don't understand. But you understand. Why? Because of the faith in God. And what he's going to do as he promises you to do. He's going to do. People laugh and mock at these great men and women of the, what we'll see in chapter 11. And they stepped out by faith, even though it goes completely against the culture, completely against every logical, unbelieving thought mind. And they still did it because God said to do it. And they, and they just cannot put their arms around it. But that's living by faith and not by sight. And the way, and let me finish here on two points, and that is the best way to grow in faith is to walk with the faithful. Let me say it very practical. If you want faith, and you want to walk by faith, you want to be strengthened in your faith, then you need to fellowship with the faithful. You continue to hang around unfaithful, ungodly people, you're not going to build up your faith. You'll be torn out. It'll be completely will wipe you out. That's why we're always encouraging you to keep showing up regardless of how you feel. Be in the fellowship because your faith will be built up by hanging around people who are faithful. When we take a look at the remaining of this chapter, we're going to see four things played out here. In the lives, the labors of these great men and women of faith found in the Old Testament. Each of the instances of their lives revealed four things. First, God spoke to them through his word. Let me make sure you understand that. These men and women who were faithful and God used in a tremendous way and made it in the hall of faith here in chapter 11. 
is because first, they heard God speak to them by his word. The second, their inner person, the inner man, the inner woman, the inner selves were directed in different ways. It was never the same. Every single person had a, God spoke the same way, spoke to him by his word, but from that point on, you couldn't say, oh, that person, that man of faith, he did A, B, C, D. Can I have A, B, C, D? I'm going to follow A, B, C, D. No, that's not how it works. But God directed, not the person. And the third is they obeyed God. They heard, he directed, they obeyed, and finally four, God bore witness about them. Their life became a witness, a testimony of everyone around them. They did not hide their faith. Hello? They didn't hide their faith. I'm challenging you. Do people at work know that you have a faith in Jesus Christ? Does your own family know that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Does your neighbors know that you have a faith in Jesus Christ? Are you willing to tell a complete stranger that you have a faith in Jesus Christ? That one you probably would. Because you say, I won't see him again later. I won't ever see him again. Hell, that hurt, didn't it? Some of that hurt for some of you. We must be a witness that God brings to light for people around us, that we have our faith completely in Jesus Christ and him alone for our salvation and for our life. Amen?